not okay, but I wish they'd make more moves. Alright, I'm ready. Okay! Playing the uh, rest in peace graphic in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Coming to us in five, four, three, two. Remember, we've got 22 seconds. Uh, welcome, everybody, to a somber edition of To the Turnbuckle, presented by uh, Nation Productions right here on Heel Turn Wrestling. Um, unfortunately, yesterday, as we all know, uh, Scott Hall tragically passed away after uh, complications from a, a fall and a, uh, a hip surgery. Uh, blood clots broke off, to the best of our knowledge, uh, and then he had three back-to-back heart attacks and passed away so this will be a, a somber edition at least for the first little bit and then we'll crank it up like we like to do uh in a, in, a, in a bit but first let me introduce uh travis uh gnarly napper uh travis obviously heartbreaking news yesterday how are you what are your thoughts if i would if i would there's a happy moment for everybody. I already messed up by uh, muting myself, so a little bit to make me laugh for the day. But I, uh, I'm doing all right. Um, it's gonna be gonna be a rough first half hour, hour, however long we take with this. But uh, we're gonna take our time and give the bad guy his his proper respects. Um, <laughs> but um, it sucks. It's going to suck. Uh, no question about that. Uh, Mr. McCarthy, uh, you're here with us today, uh, and you made a point to make sure that you could be here right on time because we're uh, paying tribute to the bad guy. Uh, unfortunately, passed away yesterday. We'll get in our memories in a moment. What are your overall thoughts uh, to the news? Uh, you know, How was your reaction? And, and, and just, just take it away, buddy. I mean, it's, it's, it's still hard it's still to kind of get a grasp around it because it was all of a sudden like we knew he wasn't healthy but when you're not healthy normally it's when you're older than this but this stuff ages you his demons aged him a lot and including the wrestling that ages your body anyway but 
when your body is broken down that way, a simple fall can change everything. I mean, it can do it anyway as far as a normal person falling and breaking something, but this was a little bit something different because the condition he's been in for so long, a fall is all it took, which is surprising. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got to tell you, I was struck by how frail he looked last year at the Hall of Fame um, because he'd had a string of very good years, you know, getting strong with DDP and DDP yoga. I know he had a couple of relapses. Uh, Mike, thank you for watching. We did start streaming before Vitor showed up to Raw, but it was close. Uh, it was close. and But we're, we're still winning that race, but we'll get to that uh, later on. Thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for sharing. Do appreciate it. Uh, please keep it up, and we'll get to your comments as best we can. Um, obviously, if you have memories of Scott, you want to share and us to put out. We'll be glad to do that. Uh, certainly. So, uh, I was shocked by how frail he looked at the Hall of Fame last year. But like you, McCarthy, and I'm sure you, Napper, you realize and you remember he fought himself for a long, long time. But I was shocked because he'd looked so strong in recent years uh, before the Hall of Fame. Uh, I know that he was having hip trouble, as a lot of wrestlers do. And uh, he just is, it still feels shocking because he's one of those guys that, I mean, for lack of a better term, he couldn't kill himself. There's guys like Scott and to some extent Jake a few others that you they almost feel and, and no pun intended here for this first hour or two they almost feel truly immortal because it's like if they can't kill them what the hell can been saying that for years about Ric Flair and so uh, it was still shocking to me because I heard he fell last week or it might have been two weeks ago now I can't quite recall got his hip replaced and thought well he'll be you know he'll be you know, there is no more tip-top shape when it comes to a guy like Scott Hall, but he'll get back out there, do some appearances, you know, pop in here and there. And, you know, then we heard the news uh, that a blood clot broke off and he had three heart attacks and was on life support. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, and it still is. Because uh, if anyone, uh, if you haven't ever watched this show, nostalgia's my thing, uh, Hogan's my thing, that whole era is my thing. Uh, and so I love the NWO, as everybody knows. If you ever watch a show, you, you see me throw this up a whole lot, and I always go, we're not paying any tribute to Kenny Omega. It's all about the N NWO. And I say that usually in jest because I like to poke a lot of fun, but but not not this not not at this moment. I, and people always wonder and go, man, Logan, can't you get rid of the nostalgia in the past? And and I, and I, and sometimes I wonder, like, yeah, boy, I do go overboard with that. And then moments like this happen, and I go, this is why I treasure it. Because as old as it may be as far as booking the quality of product, we've lost so many so fast. I mean, Scott Hall looked much older, but he's still only 63. My father's older than that. 63 years old is not old. It's old to be a wrestler. Fine. But there are people in their 60s that are still wrestling 
and Scott Hall just passed away. There may be one in their 80s. Yes. Or close to it. Uh, it, it Vince. It, we'll see. But people go, well, why can't you let this go? Or And I, I don't know. We're all wired differently. But then I go, this is why I always value every Raw Legends Night or Raw Reunion or whatever you want to call it. Every time they break out the Legends, it's not because I think it's truly the answer. I know we we have a lot of fun with that on this show, but it's because look at all we've lost these last several years. Look at all we've lost. Look at who we've lost. I don't care if you booked a Raw Reunion every week of the year. When they're gone, they're gone. Try to enjoy them. Because someday you can't call Scott. Someday you can't call Dusty. Someday you can't call Piper. And you don't ever get to see them again do their thing, even for one night, even for whatever nostalgic money grab it might be. I am so thankful. uh, And I know we all have differing religious beliefs, but I'm a person of faith. I'm so thankful to God that he got to be inducted with his NWO brothers last year. And I'm so thankful that he was clean and sober for both inductions, and he had four or five pretty solid years minus a small relapse or two. That's that's what really bothers me, is number one, I love the NWO, and the fact that we'll never see those iconic three. I know they throw in X-Pac now, but he's not part of that, in my view, that iconic three. Uh, not knocking X-Pac, just I don't, I don't look at him in that. When we think NWO, we think Hogan Hall and Ash. I'm so stunned and and saddened and truly heartbroken that we'll never see the three of them in the room today. Again, say what you want about any of those individuals. To say we'll never see the three of them together again is a a bad feeling. Um, I'm, I'm so glad, but I'm also so hurt because he was finally right. Yes, he had a real after two after getting right with DDP. But overall, he was finally right. And so I'm so glad he got five or six years to enjoy that. But, man, he deserved a lot more. That's that's the thing. And ooh, a little loud. Um, that's the thing I don't think people understand, especially in the case of Scott Hall. Scott Hall probably shouldn't have made it 20 years ago. And that's being nice. Um, he he went through a lot, dealt with a lot. Some of it his own fault, some of it not. Um, but like you said, the the amount that he was able to overcome. You want a story of perseverance? Scott Hall's your guy. Even even passing away at the age of 63, like you said, that's not necessarily old. I know there's going to be some people, you know, oh, that's old. In the grand scheme of things, that's not old. Um, for Like you said, for a wrestler, that's, that's kind of old. <clears throat> Especially, you know, 10 years ago, we were seeing them drop off at 40, 50 years old. So to make it to 63 is a pretty good feat in terms of wrestling, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he he still had a lot, a lot of years he probably could have given. But this is the ultimate story of perseverance, or at least one of them, the ultimate stories of perseverance. Jake is definitely another one that's it's in that uh, 
in that stratosphere because of just how much he overcame with his, you know, his, his addictions. Cause I mean, think back to the, to nitro, there were shows he, he admits this. He did shows where he was under the influence and he found a way to put all that behind himself and give us some incredible years. So it, it really, really sucks. Um, I, I, I wish I could put it into better words, but um, I, I think you said it best when we were talking last night because we were still kind of reeling from it, wasn't sure what was going on. And, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, this this happened. The news broke like five minutes after Raw started. And so we were still kind of confused. You know, Kevin come out. Kevin comes out, gives a little hey yo. And it's like, okay, that's a little that's a little odd. And then I saw the notification. Okay, now it makes sense. Um, but I think you put it best. This this one hurts. The only the only time we've done a show that I think hurt more is Brody. And that's just because of the overall he you know, you talk about dying young. He died very young. Um, Daphne is definitely up there just because of the circumstances and how she passed away and the, the seriousness of, you know, suicide and how, how much we took that into consideration when we did those shows. But this is top three easily, if not second, hardest show we're probably going to be doing today uh, over the course of the year or two years that we've had to do. Um yeah. Huh. There's only uh, McCarthy, I can't talk. Go ahead. <laughs> it's it's definitely <laughs> one of those situations where it's terrible, but w- with Scott, you can look at it. I think he and his family, they got bonus time. Cuz like Travis said, I mean, he should have been gone a long time ago the way he was living. And we've lost a lot of guys half his age when he passed last night the same way. And Scott Hall always managed to overcome and at least stay with us for quite some time. But when you when you have the issues that he had, um, I was talking to somebody earlier very similar to how when I lost a friend of mine in 2018 he had a lot of uh, demons and he he failed and lost to those demons and same thing all of a sudden heart attack and he's gone so Scott got to live quite the life leading up to the all of a sudden heart attack it's it is probably one of the hardest things we've had to talk about. It's really like, it's not quantifiable to Brody, but it was somebody that we all grew up watching. I mean, middle school, high school for me. So right in my, you know, formative years, as they say, 
I'm watching this dude, you know, run roughshod and change the way a company in pro wrestling is. And you couldn't have, you can't say it was just one of them, referring to Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hogan. Without one of those three, the NWO probably never would have been a thing. I, I just can't see it starting with anyone else. And they tried. <laughs> no, they did. They tried a whole lot of times. Um, it, You know, and I, I said that this is top three. I don't want to take away from the fact, you know, we've had to talk about some very somber passing aways of wrestlers. This isn't the first time we've done this. It's happened quite a bit over the course of time, even, at least that I've been on this show, whether that's over there at that table or behind this desk. But never have we had to really touch on anybody that's had such an impact on the business. Um, and what I mean by that is somebody that's had such a stamp on all three. And, you know, we've made jokes before, but McCarthy's, what, 10, 20 years older than us? Or well, ten, about 10, 15. I'm 38. Do the math, buddy. Shut up. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm getting at is, you know, we all have different, at least between me, McCarthy, and Logan, we all have different time points of when we started watching wrestling. And he is a staple in all three. And so never have we really had to cover anybody's passing that, that was the case. Like it's usually been, you know, we touched on a couple other, I'm trying to think of names that we've had to talk about over the course of the last couple of years, but to have somebody that's this prevalent in wrestling history go so early is astronomically difficult. Um, all right. I've got myself together here a little bit. We'll see how long that lasts. You'll have to forgive me. Uh, again, if you ever watch this show, this hits so home. Uh, let's get a few comments from Michael. I want to appreciate the fact that he keeps commenting. Uh, he said, but that's what made wrestling. I assume you're talking about that old school nostalgia stuff. You're right. Uh, he says, NWO for life. No doubt about it, brother. And he said he started watching wrestling in the 80s. Uh, Mike, what's some of your favorite memories of Scott? Uh, we'd, be glad to, we'd be glad to talk about it and share it. My introduction to Scott Hall... Because, again, like Napper, you just so eloquently put it, uh, we all got introduced to him differently because we're all, you know, I've fallen in love with the nostalgia, but that doesn't mean that I really grew up with that. My introduction to Scott Hall, No Way Out 2002. Like, that's the first time I remember watching Scott Live. That's the first time I truly remember I was watching Scott Live uh, because Vince was bringing in the lethal dose of poison. And I knew what the NWO was, but but you knew about it because it just kind of word of mouth. You know, in 2002, I think I'm seven or eight years old. But I already knew what the NWO was because the NWO was such a big deal. But I knew they were dead. Like, I, I knew it was not really a thing. And so, you know, and as a kid that doesn't fully understand it's a work, you're like, boy, they're going to kill the company. Vince is going to – because you think about how crazy Vince looked when he was doing all that. As a seven, eight-year-old child, you really think, damn, Vince has lost it. Um, Vince has lost it. 
so that was my introduction was no way out 2002 uh where you know he, uh, i didn't understand the promo that well growing because i watched a pay-per-view live but I, but i've gone back and i really appreciate that moment uh, I didn't understand what he meant by we're all a bunch of marks. <laughs> At seven, eight years old, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Uh, yes, we are, and damn proud of it. <laughs> damn proud of it. Now I realize just now I realize why Hulk and, and Kevin kind of uh, frowned at him when he said, we'd like to just have some beer with the boys. And they both looked at him like, you can't have any beer with the boys. Uh, what, about, what about Benoit, Mike? Uh, the you talking about how painful that was compared to this? I assume. Yeah, it's that's I, we we out, we weren't podcasting by then. Uh, thank God. Uh, I was. Jeez, I was. Can't even imagine. Yeah, that would have been tough. <laughs> that that would have been no show that week. That probably yeah, like, honestly. I, I, that would have taken a week. To, yeah, we we've only been doing this for about two years, and I thought about I thought heavily about about canceling. I thought heavily about it. Yeah, I thought heavily um, about it. I but but I said, that's not the wrestler way. And what you know, we're not wrestlers. We don't claim to be McCarthy. You you used to be, but uh, but I, I correction. He knows a wrestler, Travis O'Connor. My bad. He looks a lot like Travis O'Connor. He just happens to strike a resemblance. My my, my bad. He's <laughs> he's the cousin of Randy Orton. Yeah, get right. it right. Come on now, jeez. I don't need all these fan people trying to but get. We all hold have of me. the wrestlers' mentality, which is we all three strongly believe this show pretty much goes on if it can. If it can happen, we pretty much do it because I know these two are too busy to truly do this show. I mean, there was a couple weeks ago you did it without both of us. Yeah, and my mental health, uh, frankly, can't take much more. But I'm going to do it until they drop. Uh, and <laughs> who needs mental sanity? It's fine. It's what I have this for. It's cheaper than therapy. Um, right. Daniel says he was introduced to Scott Hall as Razor Ramon in the, early, in, in the 90s. His early videos of intimidating hit him impersonating Tony Montana from Scarface showed me how cool he was. I so bad wanted to go out to like a Walgreens or something before this show and buy a toothpick. Yeah. I didn't even need a pack of toothpicks. I just wanted one toothpick. I thought about it. Uh, I thought about it. I thought about grabbing a toothpick. I, got a, I had a you know, my dad's old school, so we keep a few at home. And I thought about grabbing one, but I was like, that's probably a little too cheesy. And then I thought about it as like, well, I can't exactly flick it, because if I flick it at this webcam, somebody's going to be watching, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. Because yeah. uh, it's not mine. Mike says, did you always watch The Ring the same way? Pretty much. I always remember the big, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, even He even did that last year at the Hall of Fame. That was just his thing. Uh, some people, you know... To the point that kind of all the NWO do it on occasion. Everyone that's ever been in the NWO has done that on occasion. But when I think of it, it's it's Razor, uh, it's it's Scott, it's whoever you want to call it. To me, Scott Hall. I didn't, you know, like I said, my introduction was that WWE version of NWO that was crappy. Um, well, I shouldn't say it was crap. The first month was fine. After that, it got bad. As soon as you're like, let's do this without Hogan, then we're like, let's not do it. But anywho, uh, I was stunned because, again, you just – no one's going to live forever. I, I, we all know that. But there are certain guys that when they go, no ma- it's going to be a stunner when Ric Flair passes. No matter what, I don't care if he lives to 100 because you're like, what can stop him? 
And Scott Hall, Jake Roberts, Jeff Hardy, kind of. Darby Allen quickly moving his way up there. Uh, wonder what can what can what can do them in? And Rick Rick Flair has Betty White syndrome. Let's hope he'll, so. He'll never die until so. he's almost a hundred. Uh, let's hope so. Uh, Viagra would really be thankful for that. Their, their Pfizer would be thrilled. I, I I do want to read some comments really quick before we move on um, from Albert uh, Albert Pride um, named off a bunch of a wrestler you know Macho Man Randy Savage Van Vader Andre the Giant Eddie Guerrero Junkyard Dog Howard Finkel Mean Gene Oakland we did do a show I think when Oakland passed away yeah but that you know like I said earlier that was kind of before my time your time. Probably before Jason's time at that point, maybe just at the beginning. I'm drawing a blank on whenever he started. When, when did you start watching Russell McCarthy? Uh, you know, we, we joked a lot back because you obviously watched Luthez back in the 50s, but when did you, when did you watch <laughs> You're muted, buddy. Yeah. Ha ha. I did it to myself. I'd say 98, 99 was when I started watching it. Like Austin was hot. NWO was getting hot. It was, it was, and I'll be honest, it was a sight to behold the amount of t-shirts that you would see from people that you had no idea. And most of them didn't watch wrestling. NWO was just cool. It like transcended wrestling. Huh? You caught the end of Oakland then. Yes. Yes. Or at least the, I mean, the the back end of it. Um, If we're talking, my introduction to Oakland is WWE Confidential. If you knew it, remembers that show. Mine was Legends House. Yeah, like, <laughs> that, that's, that, that was my introduction to Oakland. <laughs> uh, I mean, I watched the old promos, but like my introduction was mostly like Legends House, which was awesome, by the way. Holy balls. <laughs> uh, Mike said a thought so wasn't sure. Absolutely. Uh He's a kind of a different subject. How's Lex doing? Does anybody know? Lex is doing very well. He's regained a little bit of movement to stand. Uh, he does a lot of appearances. You know, he'll always be pretty much wheelchair confined, but he's able to kind of stand on his own now. And, of course, uh, for what it's worth, uh, you know, again, everyone's different, but but Lex has given his life to the Lord. He and Nikita Koloff uh, minister together. Uh, and so I, I know everyone's different view on that. But he's doing very well to our to our knowledge. The old Lex, the old Lex Express told her package there. I think I covered it all. Uh, Maybe who knows? Everything that I can legally say. You can right. say narcissist. It's fine. Daniel said you got all Scott's been through in his life, both good and bad. There was a willingness to fight, even with the aid of DDP. If it wasn't for him, we'd have been mourning over Scott years ago. You're probably right. I, uh, I completely agree. You know, I don't. You know, no, I don't know if any one person can save another, but it was pretty close. It was pretty close. Um, luckily, uh, and if you've if you've watched uh, DDP's documentaries on YouTube, or even the Resurrection of Jake Roberts, which I think is on Netflix currently, I believe it still is. Yeah, I know it was at one time. I just they, I don't know if it is. I anymore. believe the phone call they made to a very, very, very inebriated Scott Hall to get him uh, to come to Atlanta to live with uh, DDP is on that documentary, and. That's probably the turning point of Scott's life. He probably doesn't live to see his two Hall of Fame inductions without that phone call. And without without him agreeing even on that call that, all right, I'll come 
And I, it was amazing that Jake and DDP were able, because if you've ever seen that call, you ever seen it, uh, Scott's blasted. I mean, he's he's absolutely blasted, talking about how he wants to die. And, I mean, he's just absolutely three sheets below the wind because uh, he said he was getting up drinking vodka every morning. Um, and that phone call is probably one of the most pivotal uh, in wrestling history because that everything that's – Scott didn't have any more impactful moments as a character on the business, but he impacted the business in the way that he rebounded. That, that's, so it's one of the most pivotal moments in modern wrestling history, in my view, because I don't think Scott lives to see his two Hall of Fame inductions. Maybe he does. I don't know. I'm not God. But it wasn't looking good. Well, kind of like you said, he is a spotlight on just how much you know if you have the fight and can find the willingness to reach out for help because it's not easy believe me i you know i i can't imagine to know the struggles that scott was going through but to have that ability to to gain that ability to ask for help because it's not easy anybody that tells you that is lying to themselves and lying to you um, it's not easy to ask for help, especially if you're going through those demons. Um, but he's the ultimate portrait of what asking for help and taking it can do to your life if you're dealing with the same situations that he's dealing with. Like he, like we've said, it could add 20 years to your life. It could add 10. It could add, you know, it could add 50. It could add 30. Whatever. But if you the amount of times he was willing to fight for not only him, you know, other people, but for himself. Mad props to Scott Hall. Uh, no question. Because I know that he didn't think his rehab stints were worth it because the final to DDP and non-traditional rehab to get him right. But frankly, those rehab stints probably extended his life too. Cause that was 30 days where he wasn't out doing what he was doing. And you know, it's a shame. Because that's what bothers me the most. I, I have two images that upset me deeply. Number one, we'll never see the original three together again when they're not that old to, to hang out. They're old to wrestle, I get that. But to, to pop on TV here and there and, and, and reunite, they're not old for that at all. That bothers me. And then on a much more deeper level, it bothers me that Scott was finally right. And that gets kind of cut short. Because I would have... You know, he was under a Legends deal with WWE, but but who knows? Maybe he could have went to AEW and impacted there. Because even if he can't do something physically because he was pretty rough and frail, he was another guy that we forget has a great mind for this business. He has a great understanding of how the business should work when he was when he was straight and right. Uh, and so and that, sometimes even when he wasn't. Yeah, and so that... Because so that, so, it's just so ingrained in those guys. And so now my biggest... That's my two biggest things that I go, we'll never see that again. And and we'll never... I don't know. It's weird. It, it, it was like that with Dusty, too. Yeah, because it's... I can't say he didn't get his flowers while he was here. He did, to a certain degree. He had a, But we never got that... That closing moment that we get with a lot of guys that... You know, we had, I mean, Ric Flair's had like five of them. And 
Hogan's had a few. Been a little while since he's had one, but but he's had several. Uh, and you just don't ever get. It's weird. I don't mean to. I don't. Yes, those people are Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are alive and relatively well. But we've had our chances to say goodbye to that character if we've needed it. We don't get that with Scott. No, honestly, we don't. We don't get that ending. No. And I don't mean like, you know, he should have a, I don't mean a last match or anything like that. It's, there was, because the NWO Hall of Fame induction didn't have a sense of finality to it. Hell, they kept joking, we got one more run. Obviously, they were kidding, but but there was no sense of. Were they not? They might have not been. You're right. Uh, Jason, do you understand what I'm saying? How there's not a sense of, you know, we've had our times to kind of say goodbye to Hulk in a weird way as a character. We, you know, not that we have, but I'm saying there's been those moments we can look back on when, when Hulk is gone. We've had those times with Flair. We've had those times with a few others, but with Scott Razor, whatever you want to call them, we don't have that moment where we can go. That was the, that was the moment that we can kind of hang our hat on. Does, do you understand what I'm trying to get at? I know it's hard to put into words. No, yeah, no, I totally get it. First of all, you know how serious this is when he calls me Jason. That sounded weird. Don't do that. I'm used to like McCarthy or some other egregious nickname. It sounds much better. <laughs> but um, it's because, I mean, honestly, we didn't. We didn't even get like one last good angle because, I mean, if you think about it, 2002 2003 that was like his last few matches he had those issues on the road you know leading up to that wrestlemania match with stone cold steve austin and that was so i mean that was well it was it was for wwe he had matches up until 2012 with tna when they reformed the band yeah so that was like that. mainstream, I guess, because TNA was still struggling then. They didn't have the fan base that, that WWE, no one does, but where the casual fan might see him. And it's it's wild, man. I don't even know. It, because we didn't think, even in 2012, there was like not a thought in our minds like, oh yeah, Scott's done. He's never going to pop up on our TVs again or anything like that. And now all of a sudden there's no goodbye to Razor Ramon or goodbye to Scott Hall or because he wasn't even really at the legend shows that that often this past, like over the pandemic and stuff because they dusted a couple of those nights off. And I think we, I don't think we saw him at all. Yeah. It, it's it's weird. Like, there is, again, we haven't said goodbye to Hulk and Rick, but I'm saying there's those moments we can look back on and say, there's your finale if you want to kind of pick it. You know, if you want to view that in sort of like the same way that Shawn Michaels views Crown Jewel, he had his finale, that's kind of a one-off. It That's that's kind of what I mean, is that there's no, there's no goodbye to, to Scott. There's no goodbye to Razor. And that sucks. Some of that's probably because Vince is, is pretty jealous of things he didn't create. Because, frankly, the NWO should have had a, a, a farewell thing a few years ago when it was, you know, when it was when they did their reunion themselves. They, they should have had some sort of segment to, but they've, 
they've so rarely been on TV together in that form since 2002 because every time there was an NWO reunion, even with these Raw shows, usually it was Hall, Nash, and X-Pot because Vince wants Hulk to come out and be the red and yellow, um, which is fine, but it, it's not quite the same thing. Even the last time that Scott appeared in uh, quote-unquote character, remember he did that Miz TV on SmackDown right before their Hall of Fame induction? It was like right before the pandemic. Uh, and it was it was Hall, Nash, and X-Pac. No offense to X-Pac. I'm not, I, like, I know that Sean Waltman was one of his closest friends. But that's, again, not the finale we kind of think of or, or that we'd hope for. Because when we think all-time great NWO versions, we do not think... Paul Nash and X Pop, um, but that's that's life, I suppose. We have to live with that, and we just have to be thankful that we got what we got. So now let's let's talk a little bit more about Scott, and let's talk about our favorite memories. You know, we're, we're taught we've talked about his his demons. We've talked about how sometimes he won, sometimes he lost, but overall he won in the end. Uh, Mr. McCarthy, what's your Give me some of your favorite memories of, of Scott Hall, you know, in character, Razor Ramon, whatever, whatever have you. I mean, the the all time has to be the lead up and match at WrestleMania ten. That's like all time for me because I was big into watching old stuff, just like most people are. When you first get into wrestling, you want to see, well, oh, where where did this go? So that would have to be, and it's probably the easy answer, but that's the answer. That whole. F- Build up was huge. It was amazing. The promos him and Sean were cutting. The match they had, you know, changed the way wrestling was done in a way because everybody's having ladder. Now everybody's having ladder matches. That was the first televised one. It really wasn't that, really wasn't a thing. So you can look at Scott Hall as. almost a trendsetter in the business. I don't think ladder matches are as popular as they are if it's not for Sean and Scott. I don't know where wrestling would be right now if not for Scott Hall because I talked about it earlier. You can't have two and not one inform the NWO and have it catch literal fire like it did and steal the ratings from Vince McMahon. You needed all three. Hall, Nash, and Hogan. And so Vince took risks and got edgier and Austin took off like a what like a nuclear bomb and there you have it. The greatest battle ever in pro wrestling to play out on our TV sets has created what we see now and it turned wrestling around. It really did. So Scott Hall has been at the forefront of a lot of evolution in this business. No question. Um, yeah. I, when I think my favorite members of Scott Hall, um, I'm so thankful to him uh, because without him, without him, Hulk Hogan is not Hulk Hogan. And what I mean by that is yes, Hulk Hogan had the eighties boom without him. But Hulk said it best last night. He he saved you know Hulkamania. He saved Hulk, me you know him. Hulk said last night at his uh, one of his bars or beach shops wherever he was, and you know without Scott and Kevin, 
kind of taken Hogan in because, you know, could he have lived another 20 years off the Hulkamania thing? Yeah, as, an, as a pure nostalgia act. And that's what he is now when I'm talking about at that point. If, if Scott and Kevin had not taken kind of Hogan in and said, yeah, you're, let's do this. You're part of us. We can, because they, they taught him how to change his character. He was so used to being, let me tell you something, brother, did it, you know, and that's that they, he had no idea. He'd, he'd lost how to play anything else. They, they talk about it um, on the Monday Night War documentary series that, you know, Scott and Kev looked at each other and went, because he cut, when they did those vignettes where there the three of them standing there in black when the end of it first started, they talked about Scott and Kev were off the side while Hogan was doing his thing, and he was cutting a, a Hulk Hogan-type promo, and they were like, this ain't going to work because he's just going on and on and doing the same thing he's always done. If Scott Hall and Kevin Nash didn't take Hogan in and take them un, un, take him under their wing in this case, I know odd because he was the vet. Um, I don't know what my wrestling fandom would be. Would I still be a fan? Absolutely. But I don't think that I would be in love with Hulk Hogan. Because every time, anytime there's a rebuttal to, well, he did the same thing in the 80s, I can always go, but in the 90s. Because every... Because every, every bad critique of Hogan, whether they're true or not, would be un, would be indefensible without them. He, Scott Hall, because it was Scott's original idea that, what about Hogan? Because Scott grew up a Hogan fan. He, Scott said he's the reason that I wanted to get in wrestling. So without Scott Hall... The entire business as we know it on every single level changes. You don't have the Monday Night Wars. Frankly, you don't. You don't have. I don't know if you have WCW. Not for nearly as long. And to some extent, for better or worse, there's a big part of TNA that doesn't happen without Scott Hall. Because going back to that NWO formation, they brought Hogan in, tried to kind of redo it without Hogan, you know, come join us, whatever. I'm saying there's a big portion that happened in TNA in those years that without Scott Hall's brainchild then, Scott Hall and Eric Bischoff, it it changes everything we know. And honestly, you could throw Kevin Nash into into that because Kevin Nash was a big part of TNA at that point, too. And if they don't have the success that they had with Scott, you know, with Hulk in NWO and WCW, does that hold as much weight in the impact? Now, I don't think Dixie Carter makes the move to sign him. Exactly. Because, it was, it, because the NWO is the quote-unquote proof that Hogan can go somewhere and, and, and he can carry something on his own. And, well, the, and the, it wasn't just a, you know, yeah, what was WWE guy? Yeah, it was it was Hogan's bit is Hogan's as big as his entire business. I don't think Dixie Carter banks her whole company on. And again, it didn't work. We know that. I'm, but I'm saying that's still a pivotal point in that company's history. Scott Hall indirectly 
forever affected three companies. Frankly, more than probably four if you count AEW. Because how much influence in the end of it do we currently see? I mean, we because you can either how many factions are in there? You know, because you can either pin it down to two factions. I think Jericho's factions, the Inner Circle, and now the Jericho Appreciation Society. We'll get to that, McCarthy. Are more four horsemen based, but the elite, the Bullet Club, all <laughs> the Dark Order. Yeah, that's that's more or less. That's there's there's NWO in there, especially with the elite and Bullet Club. You know, Bullet Club came from New Japan and turned into the elite. Those three, but frankly, probably more Scott and Kevin because again, it was they. They, they took Hogan and went, hey, brother, here's how this is going to work. Trust us, and you can get on the gravy train. But those three, and maybe Scott Hall more than anybody, changed it forever. And we'll, we'll, and we'll be talking about it when we're gray. And I don't mean kind of salt and pepper. I'm talking about white. Because it lives forever. To the point that I'm not going to say it comes up on this show every week because it doesn't. But I'll bet you we don't go more than five or six weeks without somehow or another an NWO reference coming up. And you might say, well, that's my fault, but not really. You can't go many places without some sort of NWO reference eventually coming up. You can't do it in storylines. It's so pivotal to this business. Scott Hall is a definer of eras. He's the most... I thought this was Roddy Piper for the longest time, but it's not. After true reflection and studying, and you know, because you've learned more about Scott in these last few days than probably most of us knew, Scott Hall is the most impactful wrestler to never win a world championship. Without question, in my view. No offense to Piper, but Piper changed the business one time for a set of years. And, and don't get me wrong, it was important. Without without a great heel, Hulk Hogan didn't run wild. But there's not remnants of that obvious throughout today's business. I'm sure there is some. But the reason that we pop so hard when CM Punk mentioned Piper and Valentine, you don't see throwbacks to that very often. You see throwbacks to the NWO or Scott Hall and, and Nash, the Outsiders, constantly. You see some sort of call to it, some sort of similar. It forever changed this business. Frankly, guarantee contracts. We don't have these money and bidding wars without Hall and Nash. Because he wasn't, because Vince wouldn't give them until Hall and Nash went and left. Brock Lesnar may not be making quite the money he is without Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Daniel said, nursing home old. Yes, absolutely. That's We will be talking about it in the home. A few comments to get to. Jason will get there before us, but it'll, it'll still mean the same. Ah, you're darn right I will, but I'll save you some seats and cookies because I'm sure there'll be cookies. Looking forward to it. I'm going to have milk and cookies with you. Uh, and and we'll be talk and we'll be throwing up the most geriatric too sweet we could possibly do. And then play part cheesy. Here, Daniel says if Hogan was going to continue with the red and yellow aside from turning heel at Bash the Beach, he would have worn out 
the Hulkamania gimmick quickly like in WWE. Yeah, you're right. There would have been only a niche that still liked him. You know, maybe I'd have been one of them. Maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know. But we don't get to ever, thank God, we don't ever get to play that game. Um, but it would have just been a nostalgia act that's gotten way old. Like a couple of times, and I'm not knocking it because I don't have any issue with it, but like sometimes people, especially look back in that mid-90s era and say, my God, Ric Flair didn't evolve. You know, people look at that late 90s and go, you know, because 98, 99, Ric Flair was still Ric Flair. And so that's what Hogan would have become. And that's not a bad thing per se, but it it gave him another rocket fuel where, yes, Flair's had great runs pretty much everywhere. But once he got hot with the NWA, that was, for lack of a better term, what he lived off of. He had great runs in WCW, but I'm saying the catapult to all that, the catapult to what he does now is the NWA and being Ric Flair. There was no new reinvention. There was nothing new to get over. And and thank God for thank God for Scott Hall. And thank God for Kevin Ash. And I, I have my issues with both of them because, you know, sometimes I think they went in business for themselves, but but when you think about overall their impact on this business, again, I think Scott Hall, without question, especially in totality, you look at it and you realize he is the most impactful nominal champion this business has ever seen. A couple of comments to get to you from John. John, thanks for watching. Uh, talking about his days with Kurt in the in the AWA, uh, and then he's watched him from then until all the way to now. Uh, he calls him a legend. Absolutely, Scott is that. And if you've been watching since uh, Scott was in the AWA, keep on commenting and educate me because that's 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 further back than I've than I've truly gone. Have not watched some of that? Yes, but is that handlebar mustache, I Scott? So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's Jack God, I wish that would have made it come back. Favorite matches of Scott uh, or that you can, you know, we all know WrestleMania 10, but is there something that sticks out to you that we don't often talk about, good or bad? Or what do you think? No. Honestly, I think that's the one that, you that's, know. That's going to be his call. It's going to be. It's hard to top that one because it's so iconic, has such a big part in wrestling history that it's really, really hard not to top that. A lot of my special or favorite moments of Scott usually wasn't even in matches. I always just liked the guy behind the match, behind the camera. You know, a lot of the promos, the old Razor promos, you know, where he's, you know, sitting, tossing toothpicks at people. Or um, the promo, the infamous promo, when they first show up on Nitro and, you don't know why we're here. Oh, man. I, you know, I, I love promos. You know, I've talked about that quite a bit on the show. I, I, I get more invested. Not always, but I get a lot more invested when it comes to, like, wrestling matches, when there's good storylines, good promos involved. And a lot of what really got me excited was a lot of the promos and the backstage segments from Scott and razor that made the character and the man larger than life to me, which was 
awesome to witness and awesome to, you know, go back and reminisce over, especially the Razor stuff. Because like we've said, you know, you and I especially weren't really around at that time. So we didn't really get a full taste of Razor. And so to go back and watch a lot of that stuff and watch through the promos and, you know, the machismo stuff, that's what made you fall in love a lot with Scott Hall. And then we got into the, you know, how incredible he was in the ring at at WrestleMania and it just took off. No question. I got to say one match I think is underrated. And I I know that neither man was in their best mental or physical condition at this point. But they both knock it pretty heavily. But really, if you go back and look at Scott versus Stone Cold from that WrestleMania in 2002, that's a pretty underrated match on that card. Could they have done better? They both say they could have. But really, I don't think either one understood how good that match truly was. And that was both of them kind of half-assing by their own, by their own admission. Uh, frankly, it's it's match quality. It's one of the top three matches on that card. I, I really think people underrate it. Uh, it, um, I think that Scott Hall is a reminder of a lot of things in wrestling. Most importantly, he's a, he's a reminder of this one thing as a human being. He, Scott's done some horrible things by his own admission. Scott's been accused of horrible things that we don't know if they're true or not. But Scott Hall is proof of something I believe in. If we can't find redemption as a human being, then what the hell is the point of being a better person? Because um, he's been accused of a lot, and he's done a lot of bad things by his own admission. But Scott Hall is proof, in my personal view, that this is why you don't throw people to the corner and act like they never exist. Because maybe, just maybe, they can break through and they can write a better ending. And he did that. You know, he was accused of, of, of a lot of bad things. Scott Hall even killed a guy in a bar fight. Genuinely. Uh, it was a fight for the gun, according to Scott. And one of them was going to win. And that probably has a lot to do with the demons. Because it was early in his day. It was either right, right after he started wrestling or right before. He killed a guy in a bar fight. And he was accused of bad things from the plane ride from hell, just like Flair was. And just like Dustin was. But, and whether he did those things or not, I don't know. But what I do know is this. If you cannot have redemption as a human being, there'd be no purpose in being a better person. And that's one thing Scott did. By all accounts, look at all these tributes. Look at all these pictures. And most of them come from the last five, six, seven years. And they all talk about how great Scott was how cool he was, how welcoming he was, how much he was willing to share with the locker room. Here's what I know. That's living proof why you don't just write people off. You don't just, quote-unquote, cancel them. Because maybe just maybe a DDP comes through and, and gets through to you. And I'm so thankful to God that DDP exists. And... Uh, with that, McCarthy, I'm going to let you have the final words on on this kind of segment on Scott. And say whatever you want. If there's a match that sticks out to you, if there's a moment that sticks out to you, uh, I like when The Rock cut that backstage from on all three of them right after they came back. That was cool. 
His Chico Razor Ramon impression was pretty solid. There, it said something good about Dwayne. Um, that's that's it's only that's what brings three the best and a half years, but he finally said something. So McCarthy, uh, I'll let you have the floor here. Final thoughts on Scott matches that stick out? Anything? So I'd say it's not even a match; it's the lead up to the NWO. Because I think in the long lineage of pro wrestling, I think the lead up to the NWO reveal is sometimes overlooked that no one ever forgets the shock of Hulk Hogan coming out and turning heel. No one ever forgets that. I mean, there's trash in the ring for God's sakes, but what made it work was the work that Hall and Nash did when the internet was still, it was a thing, but you know, there weren't 87 dirt sheets and everything else where news can come out. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. As far as, do they still work for Vince? Do they work for WCW? What's going on? Like that, Those were a lot of questions, and that's why that angle worked so well, because they were able to use the infancy of the internet to their advantage. I mean, no social media... Like, I'm pretty sure it was still dial-up back then. You guys are probably too young to even worry about the <gasps> horrors that was dial-up. I was going to say, you'd know, you old bastard. And I would, and it's terrible. And a lot of the work for that angle was done leading up to that. They just show up, terrorize everything. No one, None of the fans knew what was going on. It pulled you in, and then they pull in Hogan, and it just send it over the mountain, but I think a lot of people overlook just the, the month. I forget how long it was, maybe a month or two that led up to the NWO. That was a lot of legwork was done by Scott. Well, it was two or three weeks before they brought in Kevin. It was just Scott rolling through the crowd and then coming over the barricade two or three weeks in a row. And then they, and then they, uh, then they brought in the big main, and the medium-sized man. By the way, I love how Hulk Hogan was medium-sized. Uh, that's that says a lot about how big those two individuals. <laughs> I can't remember was when they used Ray as a basically a lawn dart. Was that before or after? Right after. That was one of my favorite moments. <laughs> they really did. People didn't know it was a work, and the cops genuinely got called. And by 96, 97, Vince had already explained that this is all a bunch of crap. So the fact that they got that hot and that over uh, just says so much. Uh, a couple comments to get to you before we go to break. Uh, uh, Daniel says, look how well Altamore tried to flip the NWO with OWN. Even that couldn't phase out how powerful the NWO faction was. Yeah, you're right. It took they one thing, and we and I'm glad you said that because it just made me because we got to touch on this for a second. Well, we we're going to go to break without mentioning it. Scott Hall was the first guy to blur the lines. Oh, he's a bad guy. Doesn't matter. Scott Hall was the first guy. Yep. The bad guy to blur the lines of oh he's he's supposed to be not this good individual and yet he's he's over there was a moment there where you could make an argument that that razor was the most over person in the company in that 94 like because 
you know, him and Brett were neck and neck. Uh, Taker was right there. But you can make an argument for a while that 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 Razor was it. Frankly, the the unification match. Hell, we just saw the a, a complete, and I'm not knocking anybody at this moment, but a complete ripoff of that was Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Two weeks ago, that was a that was a complete and utter copycat of that. Not knocking it; it's a good idea. It just didn't work for that, in my view. Um. Uh, Dana says, when I saw Scott in the AWA on YouTube with a young Undertaker, really showed how much character Scott Hall had. It was, it was great to see the early days of his career, to eventually from form him into an icon, and he became later on. Yeah, I think one thing that got kind of lost in the sauce was Scott due to his demons. Showed how much character his face had. <laughs> Certainly, is that he had so much to give this business. Yeah. Don't you shake your head at me, McCarthy. That mustache was magical. It was. It was. I wish I it was glorious, I to I quote Robert Rude. I wish I could grow one like that. I do, too. Dang. Maybe someday. I'll Might take it. 20 years, I'll but... Get, I'll get the beard and the oil and see if I can just really look like I'm... Like, <laughs> like, like, and... Yeah, Scott, we forget because of the demons just how much he gave in this business just how much he loved this business. Just, And frankly, I think still could have found a way to give back. You know, I don't know what, you know, if you had ever left OTB under his current Legends deal due to kind of the frail shape he was in, but, but imagine what he could do for, for an AEW or a ring of honor now that's under that same, same umbrella. His impact, you know, because Jake's getting that second life to help guys out. And I, that's a guy I'm worried about is Jake. I know he's very upset. They were very close living together with DDP for like a year and a half to two. Um, Him and Nash. I'm, wor- I'm worried about both of them. No doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Nash. I'm worried about Jake. Mm-hmm. Worried about Waltman to some extent. But Waltman's really got to get a head on his shoulders now. Yeah. Uh, Jake I- is my biggest worry. And honestly, for Waltman it, being back in the business, so to speak, I think will help him yeah, yeah, being around nice. being around people. Like, not that Nash is like out of the business, but I think there's something to be said for being like actually consistently in the business. It, it takes your mind off it. And, you know, we we said that about other people. Go ahead. That's why I wonder if Tony should book Jake and Archer tomorrow. Give Jake something to do. I want to read a comment really quick. Albert Albert Pride asked, uh, "The Undertaker was never a faction member in his career, was he?" Technically, yes. Well, he started a faction. He, yeah, he technically won the Ministry right. of Darkness. But he, you know, technically he wasn't a member; he was the leader. Are we going to get technical with that? I mean, <laughs> it's still a member, sir. Other than that, not really. Uh... I guess if you want to get real technical, the only time he was a member of the faction was when Vince kind of took over and became the corporate ministry. True. If you want to get really technical? That's splitting hairs, though. Uh, sure, but but perhaps different length. Um, you know, but yeah, I would say the ministry and corporate ministry are the two things. On, of course, he was, you know, he had he had his own backstage clique, uh, the Bone Street Crew. Frankly, that was an influence of Scott Hall, too, because it was his answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this should have made TV, I swear. Today it would. 
It so would so, today. So when Taker's uh, complete denial of breaking character for so many years. Nah. So, yeah, Daniel, like, like I said, corporate ministry. Well, uh, McCarthy, again, I, I want to... Uh, any final thoughts? Again, Scott Hall made it cool to be bad. It, to, to the fact that, that the three of us, we cheered for a lot of heels. We cheered for a lot of heels. So between Hall starting it probably with Razor Ramon and then it just kicking an overdrive the NWO because the first two, two and a half years of their run... They're the ultimate heel that's getting cheered. They, Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, Hulk Hogan, they all, but Scott first. They broke that mold on, oh, this is a baby face, so you got to cheer for him. This is a heel, so you got to boo him. Scott, and again, a little later on, Nash and Hogan made it to where you can cheer and boo forever the hell you want. That's why I didn't cheer for Roman Reigns. I still don't cheer for Roman Reigns. When he comes out, I'm one of the few that give him the desired reaction because I boo him. Because that's the way I decide to be. So that's... that's Acknowledge. I acknowledge nothing. Uh, Except that Scott Hall was awesome. That is such an underrated... Impact of this business. That, Absolutely. That I'm glad that, uh, Daniel, I believe it was you that said something. Glad you spurred that in my memory because that had to be touched on. Um, I'll let you guys have the floor because I know we got to close it up and then go to break and kind of do our real usual shtick. Shtick. So, McCarthy uh, first. Go ahead, boys. Wait, what do I got to do? Oh, my gosh. Ain't no, the last Final thing thoughts. you can, I know, I'm choking. My goodness, he really didn't just affect pro wrestling when he started to blur the line as far as who you could cheer and boo for. Like there were other mediums that were kind of making like cool bad guys, like comic books and stuff like that. But if you really look at it, most media was squeaky clean good guys or ex-military or ex-cops stuck in a situation where they don't have a choice but to do something terrible. But now in this, like, you know, kill a bunch of people. Like, in Die Hard. Like, that was that was reasonable. There, there was a situation, and he had to take care of it. But he was still, like, gung-ho good guy. But now we get a lot more well, well-written villains slash, I guess, anti- Blurred lines is probably the best way to put it, where it's like they're what they're doing is bad, but you can like you get it. Like it makes sense. It's not just some it used to be crazy psychopath and that's it. That's the bad guy. Now it's like, oh, oh, okay, I almost don't blame him. Oh, it's one of those. So he was crazy a big was what Deadpool was cool. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he was a big part of kind that of. too. Of like, and without the immortal, immortality superpowers in a movie, so it's not immortality. Sh- it is an, a healing factor, yeah. sir. There's a difference. What'd you say? I said it's not immortality. It's a healing factor. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah, whatever. God, technicality. Uh, any final words for you, Napper? Uh, just this. Just this. Um. You want to know if you've made a difference in this business? When you get a young Corey Graves, and, you know, he's probably, what, 
early late twenties, early thirties, when you get a young Corey Graves almost choking up, trying to tr- show tribute to you, that's when you know you've left an impact. Corey Graves was probably just on the back end of NWO, like you and me. Maybe closer to it because I, I think he is in his theory. So maybe a little bit closer to it than like Jason. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a guy like that going, oh, and he almost did, he almost cracked, and God bless him, he, he hung on and you know gave that proper line for a uh, send off. That's when you know you've made an impact, not just on this business but the future of this business that shows just how incredible and just how important Scott Hall was. Say good night to the bad guy. Absolutely. Uh, and with that, I will get to this comment. Daniel, remember Daniel said, remember when WWF made fun of the former stars that jump ship to WCW, the nacho man scheme, gene, if it wasn't for Scott using those terms in that infamous promo, you're right. Uh, it wouldn't have led to, Led into both Hall and Nash debuting on Nitro. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Uh, his impact, frankly, can't be undersold. It, it can't be undersold. And so with that, uh, we're going to take uh, a, a very short break. Please stay with us. What we're going to do is we're going to take a very short break, kind of reset. When we come back, we'll talk the other things that happened in wrestling this week. We'll raise a little hell. I'll call McCarthy something awful and uh, probably flip off Napper. So stay tuned. And uh, with that, we hope, we hope that uh, you, uh, you enjoyed our tribute to the bad guy, Reginald Rowan Scott Hall. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll talk everything else. Till then, this is To the Turnbuckle presented by Version Nation Productions right here on Hill Turn Wrestling on Facebook. <laughs> 